0: This is the best of the Adam Gold Show podcast brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Third straight time they have gotten swept in the Eastern Conference Finals. Kick out 2009. That was so long ago. Has nothing to do with this team. And I'd even kick out 2019 for a team that they got where? <laughs> uh, this was different. And yes, they lost four games to none. Yes, all four games were tight. But there was some difference between those two teams. And I thought, why not ask somebody who has been there, who has been to a conference finals and won it, Jeff O'Neill, part of that 2002 (laughs) team. Uh, I appreciate your time, sir. What was the difference in this series, other than the fact that Sergei Bobrovsky was, of course, amazing?
1: I just think the timely goal scoring, and if you look how clutch Matthew Kachuk was, and it's, it's a do-it-or-don't-league, do it, do it or don't league, and, and you look at, you know, you can't make excuses, but if you have Svechnikov and you have uh, Pacioretty in the lineup, those could have been difference-makers and go-to guys, especially Svechnikov. There's not really an answer to Matthew Kachuk right now, but if you look at a guy that's big and physical mm-hmm. and that's clutch and can score goals – he might have been a big-time difference, but you can never make excuses because the Colorado Avalanche, way back in the day, they won the Stanley Cup without Peter Forsberg, and other guys took on the you know, the added assignments and pressure, and they got it done. So it's it's never the way to look at it, but, man, you put Svech in that lineup and Pacioretty, who I think in the past has never really been like a go-to playoff type guy, but those guys can score goals, and that's what it's all about. And with the combination of, you know, Kachuk and Bobrovsky and Barkov and, and their guys just know when to chip in. They've got it going right now. They've got the mojo. And it was much like our team in 2002. We had a confidence and a belief that every night somebody else was going to pop up and do it. But it was the Reinhardts and Bennett's and, yeah. and, and Verhage's that they just, every night they're going to step up and do it. And they've got a perfect mix right now. And they've got all the momentum going for them in Carolina. Roddy mentioned it after the game. It could, it could have went either way, but they just had the positive mojo on their side.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it, I guess if you flipped a coin, you could get heads four times in a row, and that's basically kind of what happened. Yeah. They were all coin flip games. But I would point out, in in my opinion, there's a reason that they all went the way of Florida, and I'm not sure that because in last night's game, to me, Sam Bennett was the key figure in the two biggest moments of the game. The Jacob, the hit on Jacob Slavin. Uh, which was, as my initial reaction was, that's dirty because it's Sam Bennett. But in looking at it again, it looked like the initial contact was through the chest, even though there was helmet-to-helmet contact, which I guess could have been called. And then, just kind of getting in the way, bothering Freddie Anderson uh, in the goal mouth, he put his stick between his pads. I don't know that he interfered, but he was certainly interfering, if you will, uh, and Sam Bennett, that mindset, I don't think Carolina has that. You know
1: what? That's its an excellent point, and I try to say that in this market a lot. With players such as Nylander and Marner and Matthews, and if you want to take it to Carolina, maybe it's Aho or Teravinen or Natchez, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a toe drag or a one-timer from the slot under the bar to make a contribution to the hockey game. And Sam Bennett, what you just mentioned is a classic example. He took their best defenseman out of the game with an unbelievable body check. It's textbook four checking. And he just melted him behind the net. There was nothing illegal about that. Mace, massive impact in the game. Mm-hmm. And then you look at him just causing problems in front of the net. That's another massive impact in the game. So for some of these skilled players that think it all has to be skill plays to have a contribution in a big hockey game, it's completely the wrong mentality, and it, it just goes back to a bigger picture. Do you want a guy like Natchez that can, that can put up some points during the regular season and then maybe shy away from the physical stuff? I don't think he played great in the playoffs. <clears throat> maybe he was noticeable a bit in the first couple rounds, chipping in with some offense, but... When things get tough, the Reinhards, the Bennett's, the Kachucks, the Barkovs, they're right there. And they don't shy away and they don't disappear. And it's a major factor come playoff times. And it seems like teams are still insistent and hoping that these skill guys will get it and learn to play when it gets to that level. And it never seems to be the case. So I don't know. You got to find a balance. You got to have guys that can put up points and get you in the playoffs. But come playoff time, Adam, it's a completely different beast. There's so many different bright people that had different ways of thinking about it, and I was just talking to our head professional here at Weston Golf Club in Toronto, discussing this, saying it's it's a lot about intangibles come playoff time. It's not about skill and and, and fancy stuff with the puck. It's just not about that.
0: Yeah, it, it 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 isn't. And like we go back to your team in 2002, there was a lot of grit on that team and a lot of willing to mix it up. It wasn't the biggest team in the world, but there was a lot of no, willing but to if
1: you look at the job that Eric Cole and Bates yeah. and Rod Brindamore, there was just, they would over, they would overtake teams in their offensive zone. And I think it was a little disappointing for that decor of, of the Canes to watching them play in the regular season. They controlled and dictated play and they seemed to be out of sorts on some of the overtime losses and some of their defensive zone coverage, so that was probably disappointing for the Canes to watch. But um, I think you get a healthy lineup. I mean, you can't blame Freddie Anderson for the no. way he played. He went in there and he did a pretty damn good job for a guy that's been a question mark in the past. So I think there's a lot of positives to build off of. They just, If maybe they can, you know, you, you, you get that healthy lineup and you get a little bit more kind of grizzle in there. I don't know who that would be or how they would do that, but I'm sure that's possibly something that they would be looking at.
0: Jeff O'Neill is joining us here. A couple of more minutes before I let you go. By the way, I know Freddie in Toronto has been, it's almost been a punchline. Uh, based on the way he played in his uh, nine, ten starts in the postseason, uh, has that changed at all, or has the cake already been baked?
1: Well, he did what he did here. Nobody, that's on nobody else but Freddie. He was, you know, mystery injuries, and nobody nobody knew what was wrong, and Bunch of game sevens where he couldn't get it done and didn't perform well. That's on him. He has to own that. But you got to give the guy props. He found a way to get healthy, which I think surprised everyone. And he went in there and he played pretty well and he gave his team a chance to win. So it's good on him that he could respond like that. And maybe that's something for him to build on in the future.
0: Jeff O'Neill is with us here. When you look at Sebastian Aho, yeah, and I and I thought I thought uh, the Slavin hit unnerved. Aho to the point. I think it took him out of his game. I thought he was all over the place in not a good way in the first period. He took one penalty, um, which eh, I don't know. seemed Aaron Ekblad seemed to go down pretty easily on that, and Florida scored to make it two nothing. Uh, and then he thought he was called for another penalty, and maybe he could have. I thought he was just completely out of sorts. But does uh, can Aho be your best player? And you're a successful team, and in, in, in other words, a Stanley Cup champ.
1: Well, it, it's a great question, and he definitely is one of my favorite players in the league. He's been so clutch and so good for his mm-hmm. for his tenure in Carolina. But you look at the expectation: can he battle and go up against a Barkov? If he's going to be your one A spotlight centerman, it's you know. You look at the guys throughout the league and he got through the first two rounds, but then it's like a different level. Things get tough and, and he's never going to out physical you. He's not going to be a Sam Bennett, but we go back to Svechnikov. If you put that big horse on the wing, Mm -hmm. it makes a guy like Ajo feel pretty comfortable out there because he's big, he's physical and he does some of the dirty work. I got to play with Ronnie Francis and I tried to do that. I tried to get, deliver the hits in the corner, get him the puck, and then let him do the work. Sometimes when you got, You got to do that yourself. It's not really in your game. So players complement each other and feed off of each other with their different skill sets. And he needs, I think he needs that Svechnikov to, you know, to benefit off each other. A big guy that gets in in the four check, creates turnovers, and then Aho can do his work. He's a fantastic player. And I think sooner or later down the line, he's going to get the job done.
0: Well, I I do too. I do think that they need. They need somebody next to him, and maybe that's Svechnikov, who hasn't quite gotten all the way there yet. Who knows what would have happened this postseason, but for the ACL injury. Uh, either that, or they need maybe somebody else uh, on his uh, on his left side or right side, either way. Uh, I don't know. You, you, you were a you were right shot or a left shot?
1: I was a right shot, and it seems like it's a copycat league, and everyone's going to be scouring the league looking for that Sam Bennett who's out there. Yeah. Frustrated for with, with another team that maybe just needs a chance somewhere else. So we'll see what happens.
0: Jeff O'Neill, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, go uh, go hit him straight if you're uh, if you're out at the club. Uh, other otherwise, we'll talk again down the road.
1: Okay, Adam, thanks for having me. Too. You
0: got it, Jeff O'Neill here on the Adam Gold Show. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuda with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? What I wanted to get to, and I'm glad Jeff brought it up, and I, I know we had, we had our big meeting here. We have a, we have meetings a couple times a week, and we were talking about it, and I said, to Graham, you, you were there, so my opinion. Carolina could have won all four games, but there was a reason why Florida won the moments. This is a team that needs to add size. Sometimes size doesn't look sexy analytically. But maybe that size and that player who doesn't necessarily look good, you know, in uh, in the possession metrics, sometimes that guy actually makes you better. Maybe he doesn't make you better for 82 games, but maybe he makes you better for 25. And I'm not talking about 25 games in the regular season. I'm talking about 25 games in the playoffs. And that's where Carolina missed. The goal scoring matters. There's a lot of things that we can discuss, right? The goal scoring matters. But kicking 2019 out as the Hurricanes were still trying to build their roster and trying to figure out, you know, who are the pieces we're going to take? I mean, you knew it was Aho, You knew it was, was Taravani. I mean, you knew the players that they were taking forward. They're still trying to figure out who they were. And then the next year was weird because, of course, the pandemic shut it down. And even then, if you recall that second season, they didn't, re, they didn't move into a, a, a comfortable playoff spot until right before the shutdown. They were the sixth seed, I believe, when they got to the bubble played the Rangers, and beat the Rangers three straight before losing to the Bruins in five. But the following year is when they started to emerge as, all right, this is who we are. This is our identity. And so they won that division, which was a great division. It had the Stanley Cup champion in it. It had Florida in it, and you could see what Florida was about to become. And then the next year, Florida was the president's trophy winner playing in the other division. And Carolina won the Metro, the division they were never supposed to win. And then they did it again this year. Again, toughest division in hockey. Although, I think the Atlantic has something to say about that. You know, especially with the way Boston played. You got Tampa, you got Toronto, Buffalo coming, Detroit coming, Ottawa coming. There's a lot. There were a lot of good teams. Florida, duh, <laughs> uh, in the Atlantic. So maybe the Atlantic was a tougher division. I don't know. But certainly the Metro was stout. The East is great. But the, the regular season and the playoffs are almost two different sports. It's the reality. Almost two, almost two different sports. And the way this Carolina team is constructed, there's a lot of the same. So Jeff O'Neill brought up Martin Natchez. I thought Jeff was being kind. I think Martin Natchez had about 20 minutes of a playoff series. The time that encompassed the tying goal in Game 4 and the go-ahead goal in Game 4 against the Devils. That was the postseason for Martin Natchez. He had points. Not a lot, but he had points. He was about a half a point a game, which is not what Martin Natchez was for the first three quarters of the season. And I don't this is not all about Martin Natchez. He had company. But Natchez, there is a phrase in hockey, all hockey fans understand it, take a hit to make a play. And that is not what Martin Natchez is about. It didn't look that way anyway. So this is an offseason where Natchez has to do one of two things. He has to be ready and willing to engage physically in the playoffs. Or, he is who he is, and that's very possible that this is what Martin Natchez is, and he will never be able to impact the game in a positive way consistently in the postseason. Now, I've had too many people tell me, well, they have to move on. Got to get rid of him." No, they're not they're not trading a three million dollar a year player who's probably gonna post sixty points next year. And even if the number is fifty, they ain't trading the guy who makes three million bucks to do that. But the next contract, that's the issue. He's got one more year left at three million dollars, at least in terms of a cap, but I think it's a little bit higher in terms of salary, but not much. I think it was two and a half million, three and a half million over six years, over two years. So, I mean, that's the reality of it. So, but if Natchez can, because he's got a big frame, he's a strong kid, he's obviously a great skater. If Natchez can commit to being, and, and he said at the end of last year, I have to be willing to go to the, the, the dirty areas. He's got to be there. And if he can get there, and be a factor in the middle of the ice. Now you're talking about a different player. But he has to be able to do that. So that's what Carolina is missing off this team. They are they are missing size and I I'm trying to think of a word other there's a g word that I'm trying to uh guts. Grit? We'll just okay. use guts, okay? You you have to be willing to put your Let's let's say it this way: Seth Jarvis plays a fearless game. If Seth Jarvis, if if Martin Natchez played like Seth Jarvis, he'd be an all-star, a flat-out all-star. The jury is out on how high up your lineup Seth Jarvis can play because of his size. Just that's just reality. Jarvis has no fear. He played a physical game. He was dishing out hits.
1: Blocking shots.
0: The, oh, Seth Seth Jarvis was arguably my favorite player for Carolina in the postseason because of the way he played. He attacked the game. He's still young. He's going to get stronger. He has to get stronger. He's, he's got to finish more opportunities. Uh, just like he all year long, Seth probably was in position to score a lot more goals than he did. So, let's see how that progresses. But second year in the league, the jury ain't out on Seth Jarvis. He, but he's got to be able to get stronger so he can finish through some of the contact. I mean, it, was a, it could be a great combination. Jarvis and Aho and somebody to the left with some, with some muscle and some size that can also play. I feel like I've just described Andrei Svechnikov. I don't know why. All right. Your journey begins here.